You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. The Five Eyes disrupt Russia's FSB snake cyber espionage infrastructure, shifting gears from DDoS to cryptojacking, trends in ransomware. Our guest is Steve Benton from Anomaly with insights on potential industry headwinds. Ann Johnson from Afternoon Cyber Tea speaks with Roland Cloutier about risk and resilience in the modern era. And yesterday's Patch Tuesday is in the books, including a workaround from a patch from this past March. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel Briefing for Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. The Five Eyes took down the snake infrastructure that Russia's FSB Security and Intelligence Service has used for espionage and disruptive activity for the past two decades. Operation Medusa, as the takedown is being called, involved both the technical disruption of snake malware deployments and lawfare as well. Operation Medusa was the work of an international partnership whose principal members included the United States NSA, FBI, CISA, and Cyber National Mission Force. Members from the other four eyes included the Canadian Cybersecurity Center, the United Kingdom National Cybersecurity Center, the Australian Cybersecurity Center, and the New Zealand National Cybersecurity Center. The Joint Cybersecurity Advisory these agencies issued describes SNAKE as the most sophisticated cyber espionage tool designed and used by Center 16 of Russia's Federal Security Service for long-term intelligence collection on sensitive targets. The malware is stealthy, readily tailored to specific missions, and well-engineered. And that unit, which has commonly been known as TURLA, has been actively collecting intelligence against targets in some 50 countries for nearly two decades. NATO members have been among the most common targets, and the FSB collected against many sectors in those countries, not just government agencies, but businesses, not-for-profits, universities, and research institutions as well. You can find technical details about SNAKE, its detection, and the uses to which the FSB had put it in the Joint Security Advisory the partners issued. It's worth noting that Operation Medusa had a significant legal dimension and that it involved waging lawfare as much as it did technical hunting and disruption of a hostile infrastructure. Indeed, the Justice Department describes Operation Medusa as a court-authorized operation, 
and the FBI obtained a Rule 41 warrant to remove snake from eight infested systems. Such warrants are uncommon. The Department of Justice has used them twice in the past, the record reports, once to disrupt China's hafnium espionage campaign and once to dismantle Cyclops Blink, a Russian intelligence service botnet. So a well done to all involved with Operation Medusa. A threat actor has decided to shift gears and move from DDoS to cryptojacking. The new RapperBot campaign is unlike the gang's past activity, Fortigard Labs reported yesterday. In the gang's activity from August and December of last year, the RapperBot hackers were observed launching distributed denial-of-service attacks. In a campaign active since at least January of this year, the RapperBot actors are involved in cryptojacking, specifically targeting Intel x64 machines running the Linux operating system. Researchers say they initially observed the threat actors executing a separate crypto miner alongside the RapperBot malware, but both have now been combined into one bot. The malware is regularly seen undergoing updates to better evade detection. Sophos today released its annual State of Ransomware report for 2023, surveying a variety of cybersecurity industry experts across 14 countries. 66% of organizations surveyed were hit by ransomware within the last year, with 36% caused by exploited vulnerabilities. The education sector has seen much ransomware activity, with about 80% of high- and lower-education organizations surveyed reporting being victimized. Just over three-quarters of the ransomware attacks of those surveyed resulted in the encryption of data, and in 30% of these cases, data was also stolen. Just under half of those that had their data encrypted paid the ransom, with larger organizations significantly more likely to pay. The average ransom demand of $1.54 million in 2023 nearly doubles that of 2022's figure of $812,000. The average cost of recovery is even higher than the ransom demands at $1.82 million. This is another trend study that confirms the prominent place ransomware now places in the underworld and the pervasive threat it's become to organizations of all sizes in all sectors. A quick note about Patch Tuesday, which this month fell yesterday. Companies addressed a large number of vulnerabilities. Microsoft has fixed 40 security vulnerabilities. Mozilla released two patches, one for Firefox 113 and another for Firefox ESR 102.11. Adobe has patched 14 vulnerabilities in Substance 3D Painter, and Onassis released a blog detailing the SAP Patch Day patches, Do take a glance at the updates. You can find a summary on our website. And go and do as CISA always advises. Apply updates per vendor instructions. One final coda for Patch Tuesday. Researchers at Akamai have discovered a critical vulnerability in an Internet Explorer component. This vulnerability tricks an Outlook client into connecting with the attacker's server, allowing the attacker to crack the victim's password offline or use it in a relay attack. Russian threat actors have been seen using this exploit for over a year, targeting the European government, transportation, energy, and military sectors. Importantly, this attack is classified as a no-click attack, which means that the victim doesn't have to interact with the malware by clicking a link or downloading a file. 
It works by sending a reminder email to the victim with a custom sound notification containing a path to the attacker's server. Akamai informed Microsoft of this vulnerability, and Microsoft released an update in the March Patch Tuesday to fix the problem, but Akamai has since determined that there are workarounds that could get past the patch. Microsoft addressed those remaining issues in yesterday's Patch Tuesday. Sometimes you need a second swing. Coming up after the break, Steve Benton from Anomaly has insights on potential industry headwinds. Ann Johnson from Afternoon Cyber Tea speaks with Roland Cloutier about risk and resilience in the modern era. Stay with us. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. everybody want to take a few minutes here and talk about our sponsor splunk you know you need to keep operations humming around the clock but potential disruptions are everywhere splunk helps you predict problems and find and fix issues fast so you can reduce risk and ditch downtime the world's largest enterprises rely on splunk's unified security and observability platform to become more efficient resilient and innovative With Splunk, you can react quickly, evolve faster, and be ready for anything. Stay ahead of disruptions. Learn more at splunk.com slash resilience. Steve Benton is Vice President of Threat Research at Anomaly. I spoke with him at the RSA conference about the potential headwinds the industry is facing— With economic uncertainty on the horizon and the threat of potential layoffs, what is he seeing from leaders with tough decisions to make? Well, I think they're making a lot of choices. Um, Choices about what tooling do we need to bring into our enterprise, but also what tooling do we no longer require uh, because they're having to manage a a budget. Um, So they're really trying to understand how do I uh, increase my grip uh, on the security posture of my organization? What tool sets are actually going to assist me with that? 
what tool sets will compensate and provide amplifying controls. But I can't afford to run everything. So I'm going to have to hunker down onto something smaller. So how do I figure that one out? Well, it needs to be threat-informed. It needs to be intelligence-informed. Mm. So you need to be thinking about what are the attackers and their likely objectives for my organization and how are they likely to come at me? And therefore, what are the set of overlapping and compensating controls that are going to help me most with that? And if you've assessed that in terms of a risk, um, then you can, you can act upon that. And so what you're looking to do, if you like, is if you imagine like a hype cycle, you're trying to say, okay, I've got my tools that are absolutely hitting that sweet spot. Am I getting the maximum out of those tools? And I'll come back to that in a moment. Mm. And then I've got tools that, you know what, we've had for a while. Um, security team might love them, you know, full, um, but they may have to let go because it's not really giving us what we need. And what it's giving me is cost, but also overhead in terms of spending time with my analysts looking after uh, th those tools and utilizing them. So we need to stop that, exit that, to make the time for the top of the hill. And then there may be some tools that I've just bought but the adoption isn't there. I haven't brought it up to the top of the slope. Hmm. So that's actually a failing control because it isn't implemented correctly. That's kind of the, the, the challenge the, the organization has is to create that. Now, if you turn that end into a narrative that you have with your um, senior leaders, they now see you as running an efficient business because you're taking those things un, uh, in, you know, into consideration. And, that, and that's really important because now you become investable as a part of the, the business you're seen as part of the business. Because the other thing that's happened, you know, over the last sort of five years is cyber threat is more than just a, a data uh, leak type issue. Mm. It's more than a brand and reputation piece. Fundamentally, if you suffer a, a cyber incident, more than likely it will stop the business because your business is fundamentally dependent on its digital footprint, whether that's for its employees, how they interact with the organization, whether it's how you organize or uh, interface with your marketplace, Indeed, you know, how you interact with your supply chain. So we've seen evidence of businesses that literally stop when they get hit with, with a cyber attack. So now this is a business interruption risk, which means it now has an equal seat at the table, if you like, up the sea level. And so they want to know that you as a CISO have got grip. What I mean by that is you've got grip on the relevant threat environment, relevant threats that are, that are likely to cause us harm, that you've got grip on our security posture, those, uh, th those threats, and then fundamentally, then it means you've got grip on assuring the ability of our business to operate and grow. And that completes the cycle of making the CISO an investable part of the organization and a, and a, and a trusted partner in helping to put the right things in place to assure the, um, the operation and growth of the business. I'm curious because I, I can understand um, or imagine the impulse that a CISO might have of... I don't want to be the person who gets rid of the tool that, in retrospect, the board says, well, why didn't we continue that? That might have stopped the breach. Mm -hmm. Do you understand that, uh, I guess it's a fear-based motivation or, or uh, avoidance? <laughs> it is, and your security for years and years has operated on a diet of fear. Yeah. But it shouldn't be operating on a diet of fear. It should be operating on a diet of um, being informed. So threat-informed defense is where the game is at because we do have limited resources. So we do need to double down on what's important. And the way to think about it is, you know, a lot of organizations, how they organize, you know, their socks, um, the teams there literally are just going through alerts. It's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And they're almost like a, a junior soccer team. So they like playing the game. 
and they turn up and they play the match without really thinking about who they're playing against hmm. or who the next match is going to be against. Mm-hmm. Now, when you progress up in, in soccer and you get into more professional teams, they analyze their opposition. They prepare for the next match and they think about who they're going to be playing. Um, and therefore, they start to double down on the right kind of playbooks, but also the right kind of overlapping and compensating and amplifying controls. And that's really motivating, actually, for the SOC team, because now they're actually thinking about the game they're in. And that narrative can be taken up then to the uh, sea level, and they feel part of the team as well. Um, And it's hugely motivating, uh, but also demoralizing for the attackers, because they're now playing against a professional team. Mm. In terms of of the folks making those presentations to the board and um, winnowing down the the number of tools that they're using and justifying that, I I would imagine that that's something that all the various leaders of the various parts of a business are also doing. Does the cyber group get more scrutiny than some of the others? Is, is cyber just a bit more mysterious to the board members? Or where do you suppose that stands? Yes, yeah, cyber is mysterious to the board members because it doesn't directly deliver the output of the business. Hmm. It protects the business's ability to operate. So it's a little bit like it's a, it's a semi-black box. They don't really understand why we have all this stuff. And what does it do? And they go to the SOC and they're pleased when they see the big map of the world and things flashing around it because it gives them a kind of assurance that, ah, we have command. Ping, ping, ping. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But they don't really know, you know, what the utility is and all the various uh, aspects for it. And that's where I think it's important for a modern CISO to be talking about threat, to be talking about not just individual threats and indicators, but actually proper attack chains and motivations and how actors operate and give them a character, give them a story that can be told. Because then, you know, the business leaders understand who's out there that's wishing to come at them and for what reason and how that would happen. But we've got it, right? We've Mm -hmm. got the security posture under control. We're monitoring it. So it's in a dynamic way. We can shift into heightened awareness when we have something important happening in the business. Maybe it's uh, end of year. Maybe there's a new product launch. Maybe you're entering a new market. We've done the risk assessment. We've got the controls in place. I'm giving you the assurance that we have eliminated as much of the uncertainty about that next move, that next phase of growth from a cyber risk perspective. We have created cyber resilience in our operation. That's Steve Benton from Anomaly. Microsoft's Ann Johnson is the host of the Afternoon Cyber Tea podcast right here on the CyberWire Podcast Network. She recently spoke with Roland Cloutier about risk and resilience in the modern era. Here's a segment from that conversation. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Roland Cloutier, who is currently principal at the Business Protection Group, which is an executive cybersecurity advisory firm. Prior to the Business Protection Group, Roland was the Global Chief Security Officer at ByteDance and TikTok, one of the world's largest leading media, social, and online technology companies. And prior to ByteDance and TikTok, Roland held Chief Security and Security Leadership roles at ADP, EMC, Paradigm Technology, and more. Roland has also held roles in law enforcement and is a veteran of the U.S. Air Force. With over 25 years of experience in the military, law enforcement, and commercial sector, Roland is one of today's leading experts in corporate and enterprise security, cyber defense program development, and business operations protection. 
Welcome to Afternoon Cyber Tea, Roland. And always great to be having a little chat with you over tea. Thanks for having me. So, look, the world has changed a lot since then, right? It's gotten more treacherous um, over the years. Right now, I'm giving a talk with Nadab Zafrir from Teammate on geopolitical resilience at RSA, which is um, happening, you know, right after we're recording this. And we're putting out a call to leaders that they have to think about how they're going to plan for geopolitical resilience as well as cyber resilience and these inevitable global events and the issues we're having. I love your take on this. How do you think leaders and organizations are need today to build capabilities to ensure success amidst this challenging global environment? And what role does the cyber team play in building these capabilities? It is such a multi-level question. And not that I've lived this for the last few years, but uh, you know, I'll give you my take on it. So I think foundational, bottom line, basics, where chief security officers, chief information security officers, EIEIOs, however you want to look at them, they have to understand business resiliency and and really that three-legged stool. You know, the, the business continuity and business impact analysis and how your business works. They have to be business leaders. They have to understand the difference between disaster recovery and continuity of operations or old school, you know, government folks like you and I kind of cogs. And then that third component, crisis management. And not just cyber incident, IR, crisis management. I'm talking about business app impacting events that require strategic and tactical senior level capabilities to manage through, um, you know, crisis problems for the entirety of the business. So I think if you focus on those and you're, you have the ability to understand your business, understand what has to be in place in order for that organization to operate and what are the critical functions that impact the normal operations of business, you're in a great spot. You know, when I talk to your peers, they're talking a lot about technology, right? They're starting to talk more about operations because they have to. They're talking about business resilience and operational resilience because they have to. But I'd love to get your advice. But a lot of the companies I talk to, right, and probably even people you talk to are more mature organizations. They're more mature on their journey. So can we go to companies that are earlier on their journey? They don't have the most mature security programs. They don't have the biggest budgets. They don't have the most people. What fundamental decisions do they need to make right now or what discussions should they be having? In the context of geopolitical issues or, or in the context uh, broadly of being able to support the, the business itself? Yeah, and I think that's a great clarification. I would love to talk about how they support the business, but then how do they support the business in dynamically changing times, right? What, what are like the must-haves that they should be doing right now? All right, I'm going to take you in the Wayback Machine because I still think it's fundamentally important. As you know, Ann, I, I don't call security security all the time. I often call it business operations protection because I really believe that's what we're there for. Whether you work in a business or an agency, you're there for the assurance and continuity of operations and the protection of what they take to market. And, and so if we can take a step back and do something as simple as what most MBAs would call a, a Michael Porter's value chain, but do a value chain you know, a, assessment of the business. If you can sit down and understand how your business develops product, takes product to market, makes money, and services and keeps clients in the context of how your company operates, then you've gone a long way. <laughs> because, you know, we always say you can't protect what you can't see. How can you protect the business what you don't understand? I mean, just because you can protect a data center or a cloud compute infrastructure or a messaging platform or, 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 it doesn't mean you understand it. 
and and it's the same with a business. I think in in today's environment where CISOs, CPOs, CDOs, all the folks that are required to protect some level of operation in some way or meet regulatory requirements, they need to start understanding that they need to assess how their responsibilities goes across the entirety of the business and what they should really be looking at. And and the good thing that pops out of that is that not only do you know how do you protect your business or you know what's critical to the operations of your organization, like a critical access protection program, but you also understand how your business operates and you can actually educate often your company on how their company operates. You know, like, you know, if those two third parties go away, we can't do revenue rec, nor can we deliver cloud compute services here, right? I mean, like those are big aha moments. I've had aha moments in my life and where we've lost literally like a smoking hole in the ground of a data center in Europe. And, you know, I show up a couple days after this, it's still smoldering and we're in the middle of a DR process and realizing that we didn't even understand the extent on which continents that that one data center impacted. And CISO is a good way to start is get in front of their business by helping map out their business. And this is one of the most basic things any chief security officer should be doing day one. You can hear more of Ann Johnson's conversation with Roland Cloutier on our website, thecyberwire.com. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-plus year partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by John Petrick. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. 
Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. <laughs>